I'm going to talk about life and conversation with God. And so this is going to be about abiding in God and then hearing God as well. And um, what, what Jenny Bull had, came, came up and shared, uh, you know, that, that's, it's, it's God speaking to us, right? And it's a, it's a, good, a good intro to it. And I don't think she knew what I was teaching on because very few people knew what I was teaching on. And, but, but so it, it's just an instance of God showing us that he's here with us, that he has a relationship with us, and that he's moving among us. And it, it's so great, right? It, it's, it's such a wonderful gift and such a wonderful thing to know that Christ's presence is here with us. And so the last time I shared, I, uh, I spoke on discipleship, right? And, and conf- really conflated dis- um, evangelism with discipleship because really they're, they're two parts of the same coin. And today, so discipleship is, is something that's really important, but then today, you know, talking about abiding, talking about resting in God is one of the things that we as leaders and, and, and we as people who who want to be going out and expressing God's will and God's love in the world, must do on a consistent basis. It's something that we can't do every so often. It's something that we can't do once a month or once a, even once a week or even every other day. But it's an everyday thing. It's a constant every minute throughout the day, reorienting our minds, our thoughts towards Christ. And so... This quote from Henry Nouwen, the contemplative is someone who sees things for what they really are, who sees the real connections of how things hang together, who knows, as Thomas Merton used to say, what the scoop is. And so I, I, I love Henry Nouwen. He, he's a, he's a, a Catholic writer, um, talks about the, the deeper things of God and, and abiding in God and, and things like that. But at the same time, there are aspects about, about what he writes and, and about what some others write too that really super spiritualize the aspect of abiding in God. And so you have Henry Nouwen and you get into the Desert Fathers, right? the, the aesthetics who, who, who forsook civilization and went out into the desert and, and got rid of the joys in life or the seeming joys in life and went out to be, to be closer to Jesus, to get away from everything. And super spiritual, right? You know, we live in a desert, but we're also in the, in the city here. And then you get into the mystics and, and they're talking about abiding in God and really going deep. And then they're talking about levitating. <laughs> and... and and just as a Christian now, you think, well, when was the last time I levitated? You know, like, am, I, am I doing, am I abiding? <laughs> yeah, last Thursday. And, and, then, and then some others talk about being transported to other areas. And they're like, what? You know, like, what is going on with all this stuff? And it's super spiritual, every single thing. And you have Brother Lawrence, who, who is, is also a monk going out and away from civilization, but yet finding God in, in the little things, you know, finding God in mopping the floor and, and finding God in doing the dishes. And the last time I did the dishes, I was angry the whole time because I had to do the dishes. And, and, and there, was, there was nothing, you know, nothing about God within that moment for myself. And so you, so you still think, you know, like, am I, am I abiding? Am, am I doing these, these super spiritual things? But then that, that's not really the, the point of things. It, the point isn't to be super spiritual. The point isn't to levitate or, or to have fun doing dishes. The point is to increase that relationship with Jesus and, and increase the, the conversation with Jesus. So throughout this teaching, I'm going to be talking about abiding in Christ, but as an aspect of that, I'm going to be talking about abiding so that we're hearing from God on a con- consistent basis and doing everything that God is leading us to do. In John 15:15, 15, 15, Christ says, "No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you." 
And so here you have the master himself, the, 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 this, this king, right? Christ is king. And he, he's calling us friends. He, he's calling us something on a more intimate level and bringing us into him. And I don't see this as, you know, a while back there was that Jesus is my homeboy trend, you know, kind of thing, which kind of brought Jesus down a little bit too far because Jesus, Jesus is, is our friend, but he's also still master, right? And the beauty of this is that he's, he's not necessarily brought fully down to our level, even though he's made man in this instance, but he's also still God. And so he is this king. He is this glorious being who chooses to be friends with us and chooses to be in relationship with us. And because of that, we have a constant conversation with him. And, and so when people talk about hearing God or hearing God's voice, it's often relegated to a one-off event. You know, something that happened a year ago or when I was in my teens or, you know, you know so something that happened at just at a specific point in time, which is fine, but at the same time, we, we know that we're in relationship with Christ. And so when I see Christ bringing us into himself as friends, I see it more than just the homeboy kind of, kind of aspect. I see it more as the, the marriage aspect. And I think about my wife, Megan, who is here, and how through marriage we are brought into one another and understand one another in, in such a different way that she's not just my homeboy, right, or homegirl. And she's not even just a girlfriend, right? She's something completely different on a different realm than anybody else. And, and she, she has come in and, and, and brought me into herself and I into her and um, with Jesus, you know, in the center. And it's the same thing, same thing here. So when we talk about the idea of God speaking to us, and we say, well, God spoke to me once a while ago. You know, I wouldn't say that, that, you know, a couple years ago, Megan spoke to me. And it was really great, but I haven't heard from her since. You know, like, like what, what kind of relationship would we have in, in that instance? But rather our relationship, and she struggles with this sometimes because of who I am and how I don't like to talk often. But... On, on a daily base, on a daily basis, she she gets stuff out of me, right? Because we are in relationship, and, and she she talks and she sh she shares about her day, and she brings stuff up, and so I talk with her and we discuss things, and so every single day we're talking, and even when we're not talking, we're still thinking about each other. Or at least I hope she's still thinking about me throughout the day, and, and so you still have that relationship, right? You, you, you're still together even though you're separate, and so it's the same thing with Jesus. In hearing God, in, in, in abiding in God, it is us being with God throughout the day. It is us talking with God throughout the day. And it's, and it's us hearing from God, right? It's not just a one-way street where we're just talking and talking and talking. But we take time to listen. And we take time to obey. And we take time to hear what God is saying. So then we move on and take action. Dallas Willard, in his book, Hearing God, Developing a Conversational Relationship with God, says, you are an unceasing spiritual being created for an intimate and transforming friendship with a creative community that is the Trinity. Learning to hear God is much more about becoming comfortable in a continuing conversation and learning to constantly lean on the goodness and love of God than it is about turning God into an ATM for advice or treating the Bible as a crystal ball. So we, we don't use God as a tool, right, or as an instrument. That, that, that's not what this relationship is for. Rather, we, we, God has brought us in by loving us first, showing us how to love, and then so we reflect that love back to him. And how I first understood this, how I first understood Christ as speaking to me and, and as wanting a relationship to me doesn't really revolve around this, these super spiritual aspects of life. And I'm, I'm, I'm not super spiritual myself as far as you know, these guys go. But how it was revealed to me was through professional wrestling. And so, and, and I can feel the eye rolls coming from, from this, this area right here. <laughs> and, 
because I, I mentioned in the, in, in the last teaching that I, I love professional wrestling, and it's been something that, that I've loved while growing up. Even as a kid, like my cousins would come and live with us. My cousins were like brothers, and so they would come and stay with us, and we would watch old WWF with Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage, the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, right? All of these guys, and, and, and watch them, and it was the, the most amazing thing ever. And then, <laughs> and so I would watch with them and, and be enthralled with all of this. And then farther down the line, you know, when they left, I would stop watching it, get into other stuff. But then later on, when my mom became a Christian and started forcing me to go to church, we went to this, this small church, Indian Assembly of God, um, out on Manal and 12th Street. And the pastor there was a pastor from the Laguna Pueblo. His name was William Fragua. And so we went there, and my mom, you know, she raised me as a single mother, and so she would have to go and do travel at times and need to find somebody to watch me. And so I was, I don't know, middle school or high school? Probably middle. Huh? Middle school? So I was in middle school, and I would stay with Pastor Fragua. And, and, and the, the coolest thing about Pastor Fragua to me wasn't that he was a native, wasn't that he was a Christian and would preach, but that every Monday, Monday evening... When, when I was staying with him, he'd go and get a, he'd get a folding chair, open it up, put it down about two feet away from the TV, and sit and watch Monday Night Raw. All three hours of it, just sit right in front, and I'd be sitting behind him on the couch, which is about like eight feet or ten feet back, and, and watching wrestling with him. And that was the best thing ever. <laughs> and, and then as I, as I got older too, I got more into it for myself. It was during the Attitude Era in, in Raw, where The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin and all, you know, all these guys. And so I, w- I, would, I would tape it. I would tape it on VHS when I had to go to school at night or when I had to uh, work so that I could watch it later. So, so this, this was a, a thing in my life. And still is now. <laughs> And, and so, so this, at one point, you know, my mom became a Christian, so I'd take me to church and, and would take me to these events. And I had become a Christian at this point, I think it was, it was after high school, I think it was before I went to Youth with a Mission, and became a Christian, understood who God was through the discipleship, being discipled through my youth pastor, Adam Harris. And so I had that. I had that going, but I, I was still wondering about God, right? Is God who he says he is? Is he really relational? All this stuff that you hear in church and you think, well, I haven't experienced that, you know? And, and, and we ended up going to a charismatic church after, um, after Assemblies of God. We went to Church on the Rock here in town. And so, you know, fairly charismatic, people prophesying and experiencing aspects of the spirit, you know, every, every weekend. And, and nothing really happened to me. And it kind of freaked me out anyway, right? Just, just seeing all of, all of the, the stuff happening. And so I wasn't sure if God was really relational or if God really even existed, even though I had come to a point of understanding God and loving God, it, it was still a fight, right? Between head and, head and brain. And so my mom took me to hear this guy preach. It, it, it was on a small church on Tramway. I don't remember the name of it. It was a vineyard. Oh, it was Errol's church. Ah. Well, they had a, they had a guest speaker there. And he, he, was, he was a younger guy. I guess he was a prophet. I don't know. I, I remember being bored out of my mind through the whole, the whole night. And then, and then at, and just being, you know, hated being kind of drug, <laughs> drug to church. Um, but... And then at, at the end, he started prophesying over this woman, and she just broke down in, in tears. And, and I was thinking, oh, man, you know, I, got, I hope he doesn't, <laughs> doesn't talk to me. And then, <laughs> and, then, and, then the, and then as soon as he was done with her, he turned around. So it, it was a room where he was basically standing right here where Rob and Cheryl are. And then there were chairs to that side and then chairs to this side. So he was prophesying to a woman over there. And as soon as he was done, he just turned right around and looked me right in the eye. <laughs> And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, I was like, what's going to happen now? And so he said, can I, can I um, prophesy over you? I was like, yeah. He said, stand up. So I stood up, and he, he stared at me for a little bit. And then he said, I see a, I see a square ring, kind of like a wrestling ring. <laughs> and... <laughs> 
And he says, and you're inside it. And, you know, I was a teenager at this time, new in Christ and new to everything. And he said, you're inside it. And there's these two other guys that are just in, in the ring and beating you up and just constantly wailing on you. And you feel like you have no, no one to help you. You feel like you're alone. You know, all that kind of stuff. And then, and then he talks about, but, but in your corner, what you don't realize is that Jesus is there. And he has his hand in, ready to be tagged in, right? And so for me, as a wrestling guy, that, 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 that's when I started just, I, I broke down, started bawling. I was like, what is going, <laughs> what is going on? And, and, and the whole thing was about Jesus being, you know, being with me and, and Jesus being a part of my life. And it wasn't even necessarily the fact that he spoke about wrestling, but it was the fact that Jesus was so intimate with me to know that I loved wrestling and to speak to me like that, you know? And that was the beginning of, of me really trying to seek after God. And, and at that point, I knew that God was with me. And at that point, I knew that God was personal and relational and, you know, there, there's road bumps along the way, all that kind of stuff. It wasn't great after that, but it, it was something where I, I began working towards hearing God more and working towards experiencing more of God as well. And so to jump back into scripture, all of that to say that God is relational, you know, and that God is intimate. And so to, to step back a couple steps and, and look at... Jesus' first miracle, and to look at themes in the Bible. Um, you know, Jesus is at this wedding, and they run out of wine. And then Jesus' mom says, well, go see Jesus. He can help. And Jesus says, it's not my time. You know, what do you want me to do? And Jesus' mom says, fix it. And then so we get to this part where there are six stone water, pot, water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification. So keep that in mind, that note containing 20 or 30 gallons each. So these are larger, you know, larger pots right here, and there are six of them. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. When the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. But if you, you have kept the good wine until now. And so we have a theme and we have some foreshadowing going on here that the, that the writers are narrating into, into, this, into the story of Jesus that Jesus took these, these pots made for purification, for purifying the outside of, of your body, you know, purifying your feet and hands and he filled it up with water and then the water became wine and it's something that goes inside right and it's not just any wine but the the best wine right and so a little bit later in John 3 5 through 8 Jesus takes this same sort of theme but upgrades it a little bit and he says Jesus answered truly truly I say to you unless one is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so here's Jesus is taking the water and wine and changing it to the water and spirit, right? And, and so when you have the wine, that transformation there, and you have the spirit and the transformation there of, of the goodness of the spirit and the goodness of what the spirit does inside of us, we get more, more understanding of the themes that are, that are, that are being shown here and, and, and the, the narrative that is being formed. And so just keep those two in mind as we read through the, one of the most popular passages for abiding, John 15, 1 through 11. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So we have vines, kind of with wine as well. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it might bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, 
and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that, you, you may, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may, may be made full. So there's a lot of abide in there, a lot of repetition in there. And this passage as well, j- just hearing it, and, and hearing abide, 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 which isn't a common word for us it, that we use today, this passage can lose a lot of, a lot of the, um, the, the underlying goodness within it and fullness within it because we get so lost in the, in the, in the repetitiveness of it, right? Like, did you get a little bored just hearing that? Or did you kind of start, start thinking about other things, right? And so as we go through this, through this teaching, we're going to learn more about what abide means. And, and we'll, we'll look at this, the scripture again at the end. And hopefully it'll mean a little bit more once we get to it later. Hopefully the, all of the abides in it will become a little bit more living and, and kind of pop out a little bit more as we learn what abide is. So, so when we look at all of those uses of abide, they're all one Greek word. And that word is meno. And the Lexham Theological Word Book tells us that meno means to remain, to stay, for example, lodge with. Among its wide breadth of uses, meno can refer to dwelling, living, or lodging. And so I love this next part. Similar to English stay, meno is sometimes used as a simple expression for dwelling in an abode or sharing quarters. So a couple weekends ago, a lot of the men went up to Glorietta, had a men's encounter, and dwelled with one another, shared an abode. Rob, <laughs> Rob Armstrong stepped right above me. And, and so we, we, we were in tight quarters and, and close to one another that we couldn't really escape one another, but we were just so much, so much together that we couldn't help but bond, right? The, 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 there, was, there was relationship brewing there because of those tight quarters. To the extent that such quarters are the home of another, the one staying is the recipient of hospitality. The word meno is particularly common in the writings of the Apostle John, who exploits the metaphorical dimension of dwelling and of hospitality to describe the relationship of the believer to Christ and to the Spirit, as well as the Son's relationship to the Father. And so there's this aspect of living with and being with and being in as well. All of this understanding goes into into what it means to abide. And so for the men, the, the past weekend, at the beginning of it, you know, people were coming in, getting to know each other, shaking hands. As it progressed, people were hugging a lot more. Men were saying, I love you to one another. You know, there was such... Just, just that simple act of abiding with one another brought everyone together. And it, and it was such a pure and, and beautiful expression of relationship that, that brewed among the men and, and created something new that there's, there's lasting relationships that have come out of, what, two day, three days and two nights together, right? And so we, we always have a choice to make in, in abiding. Uh, John 3.36 says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. We're, we're always abiding in something. And we really have only two choices. It's either abiding in God or not abiding in God. And then abiding in God brings you life and relationship, and not abiding in God brings you wrath, you know, bring, brings all the, all the bad stuff. And... What Christ does when he, brings, when he turns water into wine is that he transforms us and brings us into himself, not only in a relationship sense, but also just in, in this metaphysical sense of him bringing us into himself as creation, since he is creator, right? And so abiding is, is that, bringing somebody into yourself. Abiding is marriage. When you bring somebody into yourself and, and that relationship deepens. Dallas Willard has this other quote um, that says, 
In our attempts to understand how God speaks to us and guides us, we must, above all, hold on to the fact that learning how to hear God is to be saw only as a part of a certain kind of life. A life of loving fellowship with the king and his other subjects within the kingdom of the heavens. We must never forget that God speaking to us is intended to develop into an intelligent, freely cooperative relationship between mature people who love each other with the richness of genuine agape love. We must therefore make it our primary goal not just to hear the voice of God, but to be mature people in a loving relationship with him. Only in this way will we hear him rightly. So hearing God is really only found in abiding in God. And knowing God's will is found in abiding in God as well. And so, what's next? So in all of this, we need to be focused on the relationship first. Just like in a marriage, right? I need to be focused on this relationship for the marriage to continue to succeed, for the marriage to continue to grow and to be what, what Christ has ordained it to be. Because if we stop talking or if we didn't have a mature, loving relationship between ourselves, then that relationship is dead. And the same way with, with Christ, if we, if we stop having that mature, loving relationship with him, then that relationship is gone. Going back to the biblical account of, of John and, and, and this theme of water into wine and drinking and eating, we have the Samaritan woman who, you know, Jesus wandered into Samaria, sat down. Um, he asked a woman for a drink. And then he, he explains how he has water that, he, that you'll drink and you'll never thirst. And she wants more of that. And he prophesies over her. And he tells her things about herself. He tells her those intimate details about herself. And she's amazed. And, and what does she do? She, she leaves her water pot enters the city, and, and at that moment, there's a transformation in her, right? She, she's new wine, and she's speaking of Jesus as who he is to everyone in Samaria. And everyone hears about this guy who, who can tell you everything about yourself. And so they come running out, hear him, and then what do they do? John 4.40. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. So the two stay, and he stayed both of those are the Greek word meno. So they were asking him to abide with them, and he abided there two days. They were asking him to remain with them, and he remained with them two days. In John 6.56, it says, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. This whole aspect of imbibing Christ, right? Which freaked a lot of people out when, <laughs> when Christ said it here, and he lost a lot of followers then. But he was, he was explaining this, this, this metaphysical account of imbibing Jesus, imbibing him as, as God and, and living with God inside of you and, and living in that fullness of God. In John 6, 27, he says, Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life. Endures is meno, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. So we could say, but for... Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which abides to eternal life, or the food which remains to eternal life, or continues to eternal life. It's all the same word, and it's the same theme, right? So we have the same word and the same theme about drinking and eating and then abiding, which is, all, which is bringing, you know, Christ into us. Which when we do that, we become aligned with Christ, and we become aligned with, with his heart and his will, even, and so that, you know, we're always kind of wondering, is this God's will? And we're always kind of wondering, am I doing what's right in this situation? When in effect, when we are abiding in Christ, a lot of us becomes Christ in us. And so a lot of our thoughts, a lot of what we do becomes the Father moving through us becomes Christ moving through us and becomes something that we can trust a little bit more in taking our own initiative. So in John 8, 28 through 29, so Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. You know, Christ was, was the, the best example for a lot of things, but especially abiding, because He would always go away and go up the mountain and get time away to, with the Father. And he would get time where he would receive from the Father so that he could go out and then start giving to, every, to, to the multitudes. 
And he says here that I do nothing on my own, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. So he, he's just the acts of what he's doing from abiding is what is, what is God ordained and, and God willed. In John eight forty seven, he says, he who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them because you are not of God. So if you're of God, you can be assured that you're going to hear the words of God, right? And if you're here tonight, you're most likely of God because you wouldn't be showing up. Otherwise, this would be terrible and boring for you. And so there'd be no reason for you to be here unless you want to know more about who God is and more about experiencing God. And so since we are all of God in this room, then we can all hear from God as well. And John 8, 31 through 32, if you continue in my word, and continue there is meno, is that abide, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So this abiding in the word gives us the truth, and then we walk in that freedom of the truth. Bill Johnson, in his book Dreaming with God, says this, there is no question that spending time with God changes our desires. We always become like the one we worship. But it's not because we've been programmed to wish for the things he wants us to wish for. It's because in friendship, we discover the things that please him, the secret things of the heart. It is the instinct of the true believer to search for and find that which brings pleasure to the the Father. Our nature actually changes that conversion. It is our new nature to seek to know God and to please him with our thoughts, ambitions, and desires. So in spending time with God, our desires change and who we are changes. Uh, When when I was in Youth of the Mission, for a while there, I I was continually praying, Lord, I want to have your heart. You know, I want to love people the way you love people. I want to experience people the way you experience people. I just want more of you in me so that I can, you know, do more for you here. And I would pray that and pray that and pray that. And, and, and it never felt like anything happened, really, until this one, this one moment. It was, it was after one of my training schools, and I think I was in another school at that point with, with Youth with a Mission, and still praying this prayer, Lord, I, I, wa- I just want my heart to be your heart, my heart to be your heart. And... Uh, a friend of mine called me from, she, she was in the DTS, or she was in, yeah, she was in a DTS discipleship training school when I was in school of evangelism, so I got to know her well there. And she was a good friend and, you know, strong Christian then, but then later on, about a year later, she calls me talking, getting, you know, um, talking, get, catching up, all that kind of stuff. And then she just drops down about, oh, I don't believe in God anymore. And, and, and it was so, so casual for her. You know, it, it, was something, it was like a fad she, she, she moved on from, all that kind of stuff. And, and I couldn't talk at that moment. I, I couldn't do anything because it was, it was something that pierced me so hard that she, she, wasn't, she was a friend. I was close with her, but she wasn't like a sister necessarily or, you know, like anything like that. Anyone super close. But through my praying for God to to give me his heart and this situation. And, and I felt sick. I felt, I, I felt so much turmoil. Just right here, it, it was so palpable that my heart was, was, was reacting so strongly to that. And, and, and it was such, such a, a mess and, and so miserable for me afterwards. That I was, afterwards, I was praying, God, I, I don't know if I can handle this. This is too much. Like, is this how you feel? And, and I doubt that's the fullness of what God felt at the time, but it was a glimpse, right? It was, it was like when Moses wanted to see God's face and God said, you can't handle that. I'm going to show you my backside, you know, and he, and he goes through. And so it, it was just one of those, those things that affected me so broadly. And so I, I kind of slowed down on that prayer a little bit, but I still, you know, kept, I still kept wanting, wanting more from God because just knowing that, knowing how much that affects God, when, when people break that relationship with him, you know, it's just like a divorce. It, it, it's that breaking off of covenant with people and, and, and how deep, how deep is that pain, you know? John 14, 23 through 31, I'm not gonna read this whole thing, but I wanna point out a couple aspects of it. The, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. 
And at the end, but so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. It's this whole thing of spirit alignment. When we abide in Christ, our spirits become aligned with Christ. Our spirits become aligned with God. And then so we can start trusting God, or trusting, trusting us a little bit more in knowing that we're of, of God. And Dallas Willard says this, generally we are in God's will whenever we are leading the kind of life he wants for us. And that leaves a lot of room for initiative on our part, which is essential. Our individual initiatives are central to his will for us. So I, lo- I love this aspect about God in relationship as a partner, right? God, God partners with us to see things done in this world. And so th- there's, there's a sense of God showing us what he wants us to do, and then he works with us. And within this relationship, we have, we have a voice and we have a say as well in what is being done. But really, all that means is that we're, we're, we're entered into so much of a relationship with God that we're just voicing God's will back to him, right? Like, like that's, what that's, that's what this is in being spirit-aligned. Um, Jesus says in John 15, 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And a lot of people balk at this, you know, like, how can you be a friend if, you, if you're just commanded all the time, commanded to do stuff? And this goes back to the idea of Jesus is not our homeboy, but Jesus is a sovereign king who still chooses to have a relationship with us and chooses to call us friends. And so he's still sovereign over our lives, but he is, he's urging us on to a better life. And the word for command here is entelomai. The word for command is entelomai. And so... He's, he's saying, you are my friends if you are enjoined in me. And enjoined here means an urging, an urging to do something. And what Christ is urging them to do in this context is to love one another. You're my friends if you love one another, and which is an aspect of God's will, an aspect of who God is. And so it's the master, it's our sovereign commanding us to walk in love, which is his will. And so it's, it's not a, I'm going to command, it's not an arbitrary dictatorship, right? It's a, it's a loving relationship from a king who knows what's best for us and, and knows everything about us, knows us better than we know ourselves, and is bringing us into him and saying, this is how you're supposed to live because this is how I created you to live. In John 21, 22 through 23, Jesus said to him, if, talking about John, the author of the book of John, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And then a little way down, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? And so remain here is that word meno. And so at, at Glorietta, the, you know, this past, these past two weeks, we had some time on Saturday to have individual time with God, alone time with God. Had a couple hours where we didn't have to do um, be, be a part of a course or anything like that where we could just go and be at. We were at Glorietta, so it was, it was out in the, in the mountains and the woods and, you know, on this, this, this plot of land as well. And so I went out walking and I, I put in my headphones. I turned on the new Hillsong album. I was walking and I started praying, um, praying to God to, because I had this teaching. So I said, God, I, I need to hear from you about this teaching because I'm going to be talking about hearing from God. And, and so I, I need to know more about this. And, and the first impression that I got back and that came back to me pretty immediately was, well, then take out your headphones. <laughs> and, and, and right away I said, oh, really? <laughs> you know how the smallest things can become such an imposition at some, <laughs> at some point? I was like, I don't want to do that, God. So I kept on walking and I left them in. <laughs> and just walking, you know, they have houses there and um, some dorms and... I was walking, listening to the music, but then I just had this nagging feeling of like, you should probably listen to Jesus <laughs> as, as, you, as you're walking. So, so that wouldn't stop. And so I took them out. I said, all right, Lord, fine. So I, I took them out <laughs> and put them away. And I said, all right, God, well, talk to me now. And guess what? He didn't talk to me. <laughs> I, I, I walked and it was quiet. The wind was blowing. The, tree, the leaves on the trees were moving. And Jesus wasn't saying anything to me. And I had this teaching, this teaching coming up. I needed, I needed to know what focus I was going to do, all that stuff. And so I was worried about that, talking to Jesus. And then, and then at some point, I just stopped talking and was just walking. 
And the, there was a, a good breeze, consistent breeze going through. He had, had a lot of aspen trees, so he had this gentle, um, gentle sound of leaves, you know, hitting each other. And I was, as I was walking, I just had this realization that I was walking with Jesus beside me. And, and so it, it turned into this, this walk with Jesus that, that was like, you, you know, when you're with your, a really good friend or your spouse, and you go out hiking, and you begin talking, but then eventually you just, you just stop talking, and you're just walking in nature, seeing all the beautiful stuff, and just experiencing life together. It was the same thing with me and Jesus. And so we were walking, and I had the same impression. And Jesus wasn't saying anything, but it was so, so real about him being with me, and so real about him being right there that we were just walking. And I, I didn't say anything more. We walked, I, I went through some woods, I found some trails back there and ended up in Western Town, which I didn't know they had a Western Town until I ended up there, so I was just an Indian walking through Western Town, and, and it was abandoned, or they saw me and they all hid, you know, one of those things, and so I walking through there, and, and in between these two buildings that were like Western facade type of buildings, there was this, pr- this little pasture out in the back, just, you know, the square, probably an acre acre big, surrounded by trees, but it was just a square. And so I just felt an impression to, to go back there. And so I walked back there, and I stood, and I didn't say anything, but I just stood there. And again, the, the wind was blowing. It, it seemed like the wind was going around the trees in a circle, just, just how, it was, how the leaves were moving. And then birds were singing and, and flying around, and, and everything seemed so amplified at that moment. Usually I don't, I don't hear birds singing. I, I know they exist, but I can't remember the last time I heard a bird. You know, I, I, just, I just block that out. But this time, there was so many of them and, and so much around me and that it, it was just a, this full experience of nature here is worshiping Jesus. And nature is abiding in Jesus. And I was invited to come along into their worship and to sit there and just bask in the glory of Christ. And then scriptures were coming to my mind about God taking care of the sparrow, you know, not, not letting one of them fall. And I don't know what a sparrow looks like. I couldn't tell you if there was a sparrow there, but God was speaking. And, and God was revealing so much stuff, and God was revealing stuff about nature and how even the rocks will cry out because all of it is created by him. And it was such a beautiful moment. And yet, God wasn't speaking to me as far as a person talking, but God was all over that area and talking to me that whole time. And it was just me sitting there, remaining in Christ, abiding there, abiding in him, letting him move through me, being in him and out of him, and all of this at the same time. In John 132, it gives us this, this glimpse as well. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him, upon Jesus. And so for us, as children of God, as sons and daughters of God, when we remain in Jesus, we are abiding in Jesus. When we remain in Jesus, we are enduring in Jesus, right? All of these, these words that, that, that this one word meno means. When he remained, he continued. All of this stuff is, is what we do as Christians and as sons of God in, in this world today. This world that is continually not abiding in Christ. And so we need to be that, those that are abiding in Christ to bring Christ into this culture. So in everything that we do, we, we need to constantly be hearing from God, abiding in God, talking to God, but also hearing from God. As in working with Youth of the Mission again, you know, we, we led a lot of outreaches or been a part of a lot of outreaches too and led people on outreaches. And, and you, would, you would see the transition in people from when they begin the outreach to, to just being uh, somebody who wants to know more about God, but then kind of being not really knowing that much or knowing how God works or knowing how to hear God and being scared to go on outreach where they had to talk to people about God. You know, people get so scared for that and we we constantly encourage them, equip them, get them ready. And then when we go on outreach, 
we, we do a lot of street ministry and youth with the mission, especially in, in, in um, the U.S. When, when we do U.S. outreaches before we go overseas. And so it's a lot of having to, it's a lot of being in tune with God and, and seeing people and saying, okay, God, what are you saying about this guy? What are you saying about this, this woman? What are you saying for this situation now or this area that we're in? And then hearing from God and then going out and doing what God says. And so kids who were scared, kids who didn't know what it meant to hear from God were all of a sudden hearing from God because they were so in tuned to God. And they would go out and talk to people and sometimes they would get shut down pretty quickly, but other times there would be moments of connection there where God was working and God was moving in that person's life and they could see tangible results from that. And, and, and those kids would be so excited. And as leaders, we would be so excited as well. You know, like, oh, everyone's listening from God. Everyone's experiencing this. And then it would never fail that afterwards when, the, when, when these kids would get home, they would enter into the, the, the more comfortable aspect of life and, and stop being attuned to the Holy Spirit, stop being attuned to what God is saying, and just begin going about the daily lives. And the same thing happened with the leaders as well. The same thing happened with me all the time. We're on outreach here, constantly hearing from God and pushing people to go out and minister. And then we get home and we go to Walmart, and I want to ignore every single person in that, in that building. You know, I want nothing to do with them. I just want to go in, get what I, what I you know, get my donuts and <laughs> whatever, and then get out. And, and it's just one of those things where you, we enter into this, this comfort and, and enter into this, this aspect of saying that we love Jesus and saying that we abide in Jesus, but then we act like we, we don't. We don't. We don't carry on that relationship. And when, when in reality, it's every day of every life, we, we need to be attuned to God no matter where we're at. And this is for me too, you know, this is, this is Holy Spirit speaking to me. Um, even if we're at the gas station, be attuned to what the Holy Spirit is doing. Be attuned to God and what God is saying. Or if you're at Walmart, if you're around people and you don't want anything to do with them, you have to be attuned to the Holy Spirit and be attuned to what God is doing there. And, and so, let's walk through this one more time. John 15, 1 through 11. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. Remain in me and I in you. Continue in me and I in you. Endure in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides on the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, who lives in me, who dwells in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, if my words live in you, if my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Listen to that again. If, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And, and that's not an asking for a private jet, right? It's not an asking for a new Mercedes Benz because that's not the will of God necessarily, right? And so when you, it says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, it's because your heart is going to be aligned with God and you're going to be asking for the things of God. And so, so when you know that you're abiding in him and when you're of God, everything you ask and all of your desires are going to be transmuted with God. And, and so you can ask for the nations. And you can ask for the people at work or that cranky guy that always yells at you somewhere. You know, you can ask for these people and God will work through you. And God will do it because it's his will. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. 
remain in his love, endure in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. So this means a lot more when we understand what abiding is. And this means a lot more when we understand what it means to hear from God and what it means to be in relationship with Jesus. And that it's a relationship that is very much like marriage, but on a whole different level. But it's, a, it's also, since it's a relationship, it's something that needs to be continually worked on. You know, all of this stuff is a discipline. All of this stuff is stuff that needs to be worked on, on a daily basis, and it gets better and easier and transforms and changes as we do it more and more and more. Carrie was telling me of, of some stories of himself and how, <clears throat> how Jesus was speaking to him and how Jesus is revealing so much more to him in, in times. You know, and it's just one of those things that, that you get as you continue to do it. it it's, it's, it's like working out, right? I'm not just tomorrow, just by praying about it, going to have a six-pack and, and not be fat anymore, right? It's going to take some discipline. It's going to take a lot of working out. <laughs> but eventually, you get there, right? And you, and you, see, you see it as, as you progress. You, you see small changes, and then it spurs you on to continue to do it and spurs you on to do more and more and more. So we have a little under 10 minutes left. At the end of your packets, there's a section there that says something like, what is God speaking to you? Let's take some time to just hear from God. Let's take some time to listen, to write down these impressions of what God is saying to you, and just just write everything down, everything that comes to mind, just write it down, and see what God is saying to you. And then at the end, we'll... We'll break, but you can also discuss it with people too, since we don't have that much time to do it here in class. But you can discuss it with somebody else if you, if you have, if you want to afterwards. So Jesus, come and speak to us. Jesus, reveal who you are to us. Jesus, pour out your love and your mercy and your words. Father, we are open to you. We are open to hearing from you. So speak to us now, even in just this little this little thing, Father God. I know that you are here. We know that you spoke to us at the beginning of this teaching. And so speak to us individually, personally, intimately. And tell us, tell us something about ourselves. Reveal stuff to us. And just show us. Show us, Father, who you are.